Hey, good day. So blessed to be with you at the Rock Church, all of our campuses. Let's do a shout out to North County and their new move soon. They're going to be in a bigger facility. San Marcos to East County out there with Pastor Ricky and the team. San Ysidro, want to say uh, thanks so much for all that you're doing there with Pastor Travis and City Heights, uh, City Heights, uh, with Pastor Micah and the team there and here in Point Loma. It's an honor to be here. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Mickey. Uh, it's Mickey uh, Stonia. It's hard to take someone, you know, that name real seriously, but uh, God is serious. He loves me anyway. But I, uh, just an honor to be here with you today. And I, I just completed a book. If you uh, take your bulletins, you can see the title of the book. It's interesting. Some people see God is nowhere. In fact, a friend, I got a copy of the book, and he said, yeah, I can't believe Pastor Mickey wrote a book, God is nowhere. God is nowhere. What, what's up with that? And he showed his eight-year-old daughter, and she looked at it and said, Look at this book. And she said, God is now here. <laughs> so sometimes kids got to see it right. So we're going to finish this series on pain as kind of a final wrap-up as we, we look at this theme that God is now here. No matter what our circumstances, what we've been through, God is present to carry us through. So would you join me as we open in prayer? I'm going to ask you if you're able to get on your knees with me. And I want to pray for our nation, uh, pray for our city, pray for our families. Lord, we want to humble ourselves before you in taking this posture as we bow before you. Our nation desperately needs your love. Your, our nation desperately needs your presence that you would make yourself known, our city, and all the pain of late in the last number of weeks, just day after day, so much anguish. We pray that you would make yourself known, bring hope to our community and in our families and in our churches. Lord, we love you and thank you for the honor that you speak to us, you comfort us, and you're with us in Jesus' name, amen. Now as you stand up, give someone a hug and say, God is now here, here, he's here. You know, it, it is a privilege to be part of this ministry team, the pastoral team at all of our campuses. Uh, I'll tell you, at every campus, I, I can assure you, you are loved. Uh, East County, North County, San Ysidro, City Heights, you're loved. Loved by a wonderful people, but also loved by an amazing God who has a plan for all of us. And I, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk. It's hard to find for some of you. It's the five books from the end of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. You back up from Malachi, Zechariah, you'll get to uh, Haggai and eventually Habakkuk. That's going to be the book we're going to do a quick overview of this book as it deals with the theme. You know, I, I, I've been working on this book uh, for past year and, you know, I thought, oh, God's plan, this is so perfect. Because, you know, it's Christmas coming up and people can get it for Christmas because Christmas, December, follows November. 
In November, we have an election. And I imagine whoever gets elected president, our nation's going to be going, God is nowhere. And then you can hand them the book and say, no, God is here. He's going to do something good no matter who it is uh, because God is able. Amen? Well, um, you know, my, my journey, I've... Uh, been serving as a chaplain for a number of years for police and fire, different agencies, and one of the uh, teams I, I, I was on is the uh, it's Spiritual Care Aviation Incident Response Team. And we were on call for one month out of the year, and then we're deployed. If there's ever a plane crash somewhere in the nation, we go and work with the families, comfort them. And back in 2001, my month was September. And so that took me to New York to Ground Zero for the first two weeks to coordinate at Ground Zero and the Family Assistance Center and all of that. And it's kind of, that's where my, just my heart broke for the mass heaviness of mass casualties, sorrow and grief and the pain that uh, so many people going through. Now, Spiritual Care Aviation Incident Response Team, it was the acronym SCARE, <laughs> they, you know, like the SCARE team is here to help you, you know, so we had to adjust that a little bit to the spiritual response team. Um, but, you know, I, I grew up in a law enforcement family. My dad was a police officer, and, you know, at one point, my mom got very sick when I was about eight years old. She had cancer, and it started to progress slowly. She was in and out of the hospital. Most of my memory of my mom was that she was very sick, and so when I was 12 years old, my mom passed away, and you know, that day as a young guy, your dad sits you down and tells you that mom has gone and she's passed away. And just the images, those, those moments just can define you and so much set an anchor in your heart of questioning. And I was started as a young guy just like, God, where are you? God, are you here? Are you real? You know, how could this happen? I was just hurting. And so my big sister, who is four years older than me, uh, she and I were best friends. She took care of me after my mom was gone. We went everywhere together. She drove me to school. She cooked. We, we just hung out all the time and uh, best of friends. She looked after her little brother. And three years after my mom died, my sister was killed in a car accident. It's kind of, you know, these kind of events can either make you bitter or better. And for me, I had this natural compassion before I even knew God, I, I wanted to help people through their pain. I, I didn't want people to feel what I was feeling, and so I started volunteering at hospitals and doing things, and led me on a journey. Eventually, when I was 21 at San Diego State, I opened the Bible and just started to read. I wasn't really searching or looking. I just, I wanted to know, is God there? And so I started reading the Bible, and by faith, I, I believed and saw the miracles and the wonder of God's love. And so it was at that point I started on a journey and uh, became a pastor, youth pastor, children's pastor. And Pastor Miles and I go back 30, over 30 years. We ministered together and as he was a youth leader and I was alongside him. And our kids grew up together, went to graduate school together. And just a, uh, I just so love our pastor. As Pastor Miles has such a heart for the broken for the hurting, for the wounded, that people would know God and, and find the healing that God has for us. Well, that's the heart of Habakkuk. He's a, a prophet. His name literally connects to, a, in Hebrew, means to cling. 
to embrace, to hold. You know, in, in Chicago, uh, Chicago, uh, Chicano Park, uh, our city's just heavy for what has happened as the, the pickup truck went over and just changes lives, the brokenness, those that have lost lives. I, I, as a fire chaplain, I was called to Chicano Park a number of years ago before some of the new um, structures are there. There were two empty lots and two city buses collided. And many people were injured. I was called. I'm there trying to comfort people. And as I came on scene, just all people on gurneys and backboards and everything, and I came up. And you just help one person at a time. I, I, I went to this one woman. She was laying on a backboard. She had a neck brace and just in tears and pain. And she's reaching up to her uh, four-year-old four little boy. And she was Hispanic, speaking in Spanish. And so I see this little guy. He's crying. His mom is there. He's confused. And so I went to him and I, I got permission. And I just picked him up in my arms. And this little guy just buried his face in my chest and rubbed his snotty nose all over my fire jacket, just was rubbing it, you know, kind of, you're wailing, 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 and all of a sudden he was, <laughs> and they just held on to me, complete stranger, but it was as if I was the most important person in the world. That's Habakkuk, his name means to just cling, and I I want us to follow this theme, and no matter where our issues and challenges and questions that we can cling to God, even though we don't have all the answers, that we can experience his presence. So here in chapter 1, if you follow with me, verse 1, it says, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, literally the prophecy or the burden he saw, and here's his heart. He's, the Bible is so raw, so real, expressing what we feel and experience. He says, oh Lord, how long shall I cry and you not hear? Even cry out to you, violence. I don't know about you, but there, there have been times in my life, God, are you here? Where, where are you? How could this be? The theologians call this theodicy. Theo, God. Decay, justice. If God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving, why does human suffering exist? Now, Scripture addresses this all through. and God's not the cause of the pain, the cause of the evil. He's always redeeming. But here's the prophet. When it says, cry out to you, literally in the Hebrew, the, the language there, it's to scream. He's screaming out to God. Very raw, very real. God understands his heart. And he says, why? Why do you show me iniquity, all this wickedness going on, and cause me to see trouble, plundering, and violence? People are robbing and violence. Therefore, verse 4, law, the law seems powerless. Justice never goes forth. He's asking why. Why is it like this? I, I had a call in Kearney Mesa where a woman, there was a house fire, and a woman lost her sister and mother in the fire. I was paged. I'm going to be with the family. I, I arrive. I have my uniform and my jacket, and I come on scene, and the battalion chief said, could you go help this dear woman? She lost her mom and sister. I, I go over to her, and I just said, ma'am, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. My name's Mickey. I'm chaplain with the fire department. As soon as I said chaplain, not everyone knows what a chaplain is. Chaplain is out in the community like a pastor helping people in crisis. 
As soon as I introduce myself, she grabs me on both shoulders, squeezes tightly, and just, why would God allow this to happen to me? What do you do in that moment? What do you say? I, I just say, ma'am, I am so sorry, but I'm here with you. We, let me get some help to you. Do we have any family members we need to get a hold of? And then I'm just there serving. We, she starts talking. I get to pray. I, I'm just supporting her during this time. You know, we have a, a ministry here at the Rock Church. All of our campuses called uh, Rock Community Chaplains. In fact, next weekend at the City Heights campus, in all the bulletins at all the campuses, there's an insert, ministry opportunities, Friday night and Saturday, we're doing a training just to learn about how to help people during crisis. Or if you're in a crisis, how do I get through this? So you can check that out. But here's the prophet. He's, he's just crying out. He's screaming to God. And now God answers. Look with me. Chapter 1, verse 5. The Lord replies and says, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded for I will work a, uh, I will work a work in your days which... You would not believe, though I, I, it were told to you. For indeed, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, Chaldeans a bitter and hasty nation. Here, here's what God says. Now, imagine this. This was written 609 B.C. It was right after a great revival. A nation turned to God under Josiah. Now, decades later, things have declined as a nation. People drifted from God. It's real similar to what we're going through today. The leaders were, were corrupt and there, there was just violence everywhere going on. And the prophet's saying, God, when are you going to do something? And God says, I'm going to do something. You're not going to believe it. I'm going to bring the Chaldeans in to bring judgment on my people. Now, in modern terms, that would be like God saying, I'm going to bring ISIS to your nation to bring judgment that's how far removed, how they saw such wickedness and violence. Why would you use another nation? In fact, he goes on. Why? Why do you look on those who deal treacherously? He keeps, God, what are you doing? For many of us that are here watching online at our campuses or, or, or uh, just going through just circumstances where there's times where you're just saying, God, where are you? This doesn't make sense. Why? Why? Do you know Jesus on the cross in Matthew 27, verse 46? He's bearing the weight of the sin of humanity. And he quotes Psalm 22 and he says, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? God knows our pain. It's okay to ask, but the answer is not necessarily what we always think, because it's not the why, really, it's the who we should be asking. God, where are you? Who, who are you in the midst of my pain? And so in your little handout in the bulletin, the first F there, Habakkuk 1, verses 1 through 6, we hear the cry of frustration. The prophet is frustrated, frustration, looking at his nation, his circumstances, and he's crying out. And then chapter 2. He says, I will stand my watch, verse 1, and set myself on the rampart to watch what he will say to me. 
and what I will answer when I'm corrected. It, it's almost a sense where the prophet's saying, okay, I'm going to stand my watch and I'm going to see what you're going to do and you can correct me if you want, but he's almost defiant. Do something, God, do something and I'm going to wait till you do something and then God speaks to him and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time and it will, in the end, it will speak and will not lie. You see, we have a vision here at Rock Church, global pervasive hope. It's our desire to see hope brought to every street, every person. We want to establish hope. And you're part of this vision. It's God's vision to bring hope to humanity. And our mission is to see people come to faith in Jesus, to save, equip, and then send, that they would save, equip, send, that we spread hope. And, and please know, there are so many ministries here uh, at all of our campuses, ministries to come alongside you, to encourage you, to empower you, to equip you, to carry out what God has called you to do. You know, the life class, please know, we don't want anything from you. The life class is designed for you to discover your gifts. When, when you hear us encourage you, get into a group, get into a group. Uh, small groups, ministry groups, they're here, it's there where you're going to find friends and support to come alongside that bear your burden so you're not alone. When people are wounded, they tend to isolate, they tend to back off. We, I, I, I got to control things where God is saying, no, come together, come to me, let me love upon you. God's desire for each and every one of you is that you would be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. We have a ministry here called Care Counseling. We have trained counselors at all of our campus, campuses, and it's free. You can go online, make an appointment, and just pour your heart out to people that will listen and give you guidance and perspective and help you on your steps for growth. Take advantage of this. You know, my, uh, I have four kids, a son, three daughters, and when my, my girls turned 16, I, I always dated my kids. Uh, we went special places one-on-one. -on -one. When my, my daughters each turned 16, there's a special place I take them to in La Jolla. There's a, there's a balcony, and there's several dining tables outside. It overlooks the bay. And I would take them there, and it was there that I had a conversation where I said, you know, someday a man... It's going to come into your life and get down on one knee. And he's going to look up to you and say, I love you. Will you marry me? And he's going to make promises to you. And so I wanted to have a conversation of the type of man that they need to look for. A godly man. A man that would honor them and serve them. And so each one of my girls, it was there that we talked about life and how beautiful and special they are to God, his special treasure. And it was there that I gave them a promise ring uh, to wear and that they would keep themselves for their husband and that that, that would be just the fulfillment of my heart and my job to raise them in, in the Lord. And each one, uh, I did this. Finally, my, my youngest, she had heard from her two older sisters. And so when she was like 13, 14, she kept coming when do I get to go on my special date, you know, and kind of having those special times. Well, um, 
some of our campuses got together this uh, number of months ago and had a, a daddy-daughter night. And it was there that the dads came together. And I was asked to speak for about 20 minutes. And when I arrived, you know, there's all these dads with their two-year-olds, three-year-olds, um, five-year-olds, ten-year-olds, all the way up through the teenage years. And the dads were painting, finger, painting the fingernails and... Uh, they were writing notes on cards. The kids could write to their dads and the dads could write to their daughters. It was beautiful. And I went over and saw the cards. There were several cards. You know, I love you, daddy, or I love you, my princess. You're so special. And one of them caught my attention. It said, daddy, you're my hero. You're a happy mess. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that probably describes most of us, you know. You're a happy mess. And so as I, I, I got up to speak, I realized I can't, I can't talk 20 minutes to two-year-olds, you know. And so I, just real quickly, I, I asked all the dads to get down on one knee with their daughters. And as they're on one knee, I look around the room, all these dads kneeling before their toddlers, preschoolers, teenagers. The dads were holding the hands of their girls and looking up into their eyes. And I had told them, I I want you to speak virtue into their lives. You know, many parents, you know, when your kids wake up in the morning, they come down, and we say, did you make your bed yet? You know, clean your room. We have all these instructions. Or when you come home from work uh, as a husband or wife, and you walk in the door, and your spouse says, hey, you didn't take the trash out. You, you were supposed to fill the car up with gas. We're just always focused on all the negative. That's just like the enemy. You know, you're not this. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. How much more glorious if when the kids wake up in the morning, they come into the kitchen and you say, man, you're so special. I just love you. Today's going to be a special day. God's with you. When your husband or wife or roommate, your boyfriend, you connect and you, you just say, man, you're just so generous. You, you speak the virtues. And so I, I wanted these dads to speak the virtues because you have to realize when Jesus was glorified on what's called the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17, his glory was manifest in the presence of some of his disciples. So much so, and God spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The disciples fell on their faces and worshiped. Well, the Bible describes God's children you're heirs of God, sons, adopted heirs with Christ. He sees you. If you are in Christ, he sees you as he sees his son. And God not only knows the future, the Bible reveals he's in the future. That is who he sees you, who you are meant to be. And you're being transformed into the likeness and glory of who he already has designed you to be. That's how he sees you. He doesn't see all the faults and all the, the rebellions and all the things. He's, he's working and conforming because he sees the glory of his son upon your life. In fact, C.S. Lewis said, if we could see each other as God sees us, we would be tempted to worship one another. Why are we so critical? Why are we so... You know, we murmur, complain, we judge, we criticize. It's because we're not looking at what God sees. We're saying God is nowhere in your life. As opposed to, I see the glory and beauty of God. 
of what he's doing. Well, these dads were down on one knee, looking up to their girls or holding their hand, and the dads, the room, these guys were just tearing up. How much love? And I, what caught my attention over to the left was a 13, 14-year-old girl, tall, slender. And she was looking at her dad as he's kneeling, speaking virtue into her life. And she just starts to weep. And the dad's weeping. And then she wraps her arms around his neck and starts kissing him on the face. I love you, daddy. I love you, daddy. I saw that. I just lost it. I'm losing it again. Uh, my estrogen levels are a little high today. <laughs> but you realize that the Bible says God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Listen to this. The Bible doesn't say there that God loves us. It says God so loves you, so loves you, so loves you that he gave his son for you. It's as if, and, and Jesus humbled himself to come to this world. It's as if God's on his knee looking at you, saying, will you marry me? The Bible describes the church as the bride of Christ. Will you marry me? I love you. You're beautiful. You're, you're who I've designed you to be. Walk with me. Live with me. Let me romance you. Let me help create in you who I've destined you to be. And so many of us have all the barriers because we've been hurt. We've been wounded. We, we're, we have arms up. I, I want you just for a moment, turn to one of the people sitting next to you and say, you are awesome. You are awesome. Don't you do that? You are awesome. Now, some of you are thinking, he is awesome? Don't say it like that. You are awesome. The Bible says you're complete in him. You are seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. You are glorious. You are a saint. And yet we walk around sometimes where I feel condemned Will God love me? Will God forgive me? We question. I, I responded to a, a family. The, the father passed away. It's a fire department family. And the next day I was at the house and we were talking about the memorial service. And, and uh, three kids, the youngest was daddy's girl, senior in high school. So we're talking about the f funeral. And all of a sudden, daddy's girl, with all the emotion you would imagine, she said, who's going to be there when I graduate? Who's going to walk me down the aisle? Daddy's gone. Who's going to be there for the birth of my first child? Where is God in this? Now, they're a Christian family, and I'm the chaplain. I'm there, and I just lowered my head. I was just praying, Lord, comfort her, comfort her, comfort her. And it was just silent. And all the emotion, finally the mother leaned over at me and said, you're the chaplain. Say something, you know. I was like, so first thing came to mind, I said, what would your daddy say to you? She goes, that's not fair. God is still on the throne. God is on the throne. And he taught them Psalm 11, of which here Habakkuk, he closes chapter 2. He says, verse 20, 
but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. So we go from frustration in chapter 1 to faith in chapter 2. And in faith, we know that God doesn't necessarily give us explanations for everything. everything. But he does give us his promises. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. See, Jesus, when he was born in Matthew 1, he said, call his name Emmanuel, which is God is with us. God is now here. Uh, after Jesus raises from the dead, he said, he said, I'll never leave you. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's with us. He loves us. And finally, it closes out in chapter 3, and the prophet says, at the end, he says, though, though the fields fail, the flocks fail, the, the vineyards fail, though I lose everything, my circumstances, like Job, as Pastor Miles shared last week, though I lose it all, life doesn't seem to make sense. He says in verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. And it's interesting, the word rejoice literally means to leap for joy, and to joy means, in the Hebrew, it's to whirl about. He's like, though everything fall apart, I'm going to dance because God is with me. God is able. I don't understand this. Why are you, why is this happening? But God, I know you love me. I know you have a plan. You know the Chaldeans? As a nation, a bitter and hasty nation, they were taken, uh, Judah was taken into captivity, and Judah and the prophets, Daniel, started to influence the kingdom. So much so that eventually the Medes and Persians rebuilt Jerusalem. And the influence lasted all the way to the Magi coming as they knew the prophets to announce the birth of the Messiah. We have in East County in El Cajon, a large Chaldean population, a majority of them are Christian. A work of work, a wonder that if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Imagine if I told you ISIS was going to have a great revival and be converted and carry out the gospel. That's what I'm praying, and that's what God can do, because he's done it before. He's done it before. And some of you desperately, some of us desperately need a miracle. And the miracle is Jesus. And as we close, I, I just, uh, please know my heart. You know, the book that, that's being released today, all the proceeds go to a chaplain fund to help people in crisis. No one's trying to get anything, but we all want to give the love of God to bring hope to every street, every person. And so I want to pray for us. And I know some of us are deeply wounded here. You know, there's sacred places, sanctuaries. Two of the most sacred places for our sanctuary is family and church. And yet, some of you, the most pain you've ever had was from your family. The abuse, the abandonment. It was not a place of hope. And sadly, I was so... Breaks my heart to hear stories where people have been hurt by the church. Just the insensitivity of broken people impacting broken people. 
And so as we close, I'm going to ask that we pray, but I'm going to ask that we all surrender to a God who's kneeling before you on the cross saying, come to me. I love you. I want to be with you. I want to transform your life. I want to do a miracle. I want to bring healing and hope. And yet some of us are arm's distance. You've been deeply hurt, and so you isolate, you withdraw, you back off. And you're holding back, and pride builds a wall against God. You can go bitter or better. And God's here today. Whether you've never walked with God before, or maybe you need to return to him, or... I would imagine there's a lot of us here today that just, you need hope. You need help. You need someone just to come alongside you to just say, hey, I'm with you too. I don't have all the answers, but I know who has the answer to your why. Would you bow your hearts with me? Close your eyes. Lord, You know each and every one of us, you're here in our midst. You're wooing us. Your love is saturating our hearts and lives with the hope of Jesus Christ. But we don't want to be religious. We want to be real. We want to be people that can respond to a gracious and loving God. And so I pray for those that are here that just are at a place where they need you. They need to have a relationship with you or for some to return to you because much of the pain in their life is the result of what they've done. And you simply say to believe. And we go from frustration to faith and then fruitfulness to have our lives be fruitful in the work of your spirit. And so if you're in a place where you want to call upon the Lord, just in the cry of your heart, just between you and God, just quietly say, God, I need you. I need help. I'm hurting. God, come forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your love. And I ask you to take control of my life. Lord, I ask that I would walk with you again. Lord, I need need friends. I I need someone to come alongside just to help point me in the way. And so, Lord, in the best way I know how, I ask by the work of your Spirit, you would come into my life afresh. That you would forgive me. That I would be loved by you. My identity would be in you, not in my past. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you if you want to admit your need for God and to start to walk by faith, to let him bring healing and hope in your life. You want people to come alongside you with next steps. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you just simply right where you are to stand up. And it's humbling. The one-step program with Jesus Christ is admit you need God, and then he'll take us the rest of the way. And I know some of you, your hearts are racing, and you're concerned about what people will think. Everyone will think that God loves you. 
And so on the count of three, if you want God in your life and to take you to where you need to be, I'm just going to ask you to stand up right where you are. So one, two, three. Boldly stand right where you are. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Stay standing. Stay standing. God bless you. Stay standing. God bless you. Anybody else? You know, some of us, there's a, a tug going on. Some of you just, you just need someone to come alongside you to encourage you. Take a stand. Let God love you. Now I want you to get the image. This isn't religion. It's a God of the universe who's kneeling before you saying, I want to be married to you. I want you to know how much I love you. And I want to encourage you to become who I destined you to be. Your past can be all wiped clean. And so I'm going to ask you to come out of your seats and come on down here as we can celebrate with you as we do here at the Rock Church as the angels in heaven are rejoicing. And don't rush out at this time. Just come on down. Those of you that stood up, would you come down? We want to celebrate with you. Number of you, if you're up in the balcony, come on down. God bless you. Please don't rush out at this moment. This is like a wedding ceremony. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God loves you. He wants to honor you. God bless 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 you. express, you know, the Bible says that you, all through, from Deuteronomy to Malachi, all through the Bible says you are his special treasure. And as a grandpa, my kids call me Bapa. As a Bapa, you know, I, I, I just want to encourage you how much God loves for you, how much he loves you, and we have friends that just want to come alongside you to encourage you. I want to encourage you not to get religious, okay? Religion is law, legalism, and what we have to do to make God happy. Christianity, what God has for you is just love. And he wants to help you discover more of his love. And we have friends that just want to help you on some steps to grow. And you have a family here of what we need each other. And so let me pray for you, okay? Lord, I thank you for these beautiful people. That there's a work going on in their hearts. And I, I just pray that you continue that work in their relationships, their friendships, and the calling and the beauty of what you want to build within them and who they're becoming. And so I pray you honor them today. And uh, I just thank you for their humility to be able to walk out of the crowd and to experience just the, the depth of love and purpose that you have for them in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would turn to your right, right there, and we want to give you some next steps to encourage you. God bless you.